Hi, and welcome to Zurich's Perspectives, Zurich's podcast where we deliver market insights and thought leadership. Today is our fourth podcast. We're very fortunate to have two of Zurich's leaders in the field of cyber insurance. The last 12 months, I've seen a significant increase in cyber claims. This has had the effect of forcing the industry to think or rethink how and what it wants to cover from an exposure standpoint. While cyber used to be a nice to have, almost ancillary lines of coverage, it has now become one of the key risks companies need to assess and protect themselves against. Dane Hambrook leads Zurich's financial lines department. He joined Zurich about 18 months ago. Dane has a long and illustrious career in the Canadian market as a financial line underwriter, branch manager, and country head. Daniel Lee is one of our colleagues who joined Zurich during the COVID pandemic about six months ago and specializes in cyber and ENO insurance. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Good, Abba. Thanks for your time. Great. Thanks for having us. Good to have you on the podcast today. Uh, Dane, let me start with you. So listen, you've been in the business for a little while and you've seen how cyber insurance has changed since its uh, beginning. Take us maybe to the very beginning of, of cyber. What did that first cyber policy look like back in, you know, in Canada and the, the journey, the coverages that have been in, out, where are we today? What have you, what have you observed in, in the last several years there? Yeah, yeah, and it's a dynamically changing landscape as we speak, um, and we can get into that a little bit. But cyber insurance, uh, which is, you know, I guess agreed upon vernacular we use today, although there's been some debate about what we actually call this line of business for the last 15 to 20 years. But it started in the 90s, really, first iterations being around the dot-com and Y2K issues, but it's been a very steep uh, evolution in the last, I guess, two or three years. Uh, but the first policies were really general uh, third-party additions to professional liability policies for the most part, in addition to a software or media risk. Um, and then the uh, first, uh, first uh, really direct uh, cover liability associated was in response to some of the hack threats as the uh, dot-com uh, phase progressed. And then you have the uh, advent of the first party coverages. So really the marriage of the third party and first party coverages, which allowed uh, the cyber BI or business interruption portion in as a result of some of the extortion threats. Um, and then really we have in about five, 10 years ago, we have the uh, first real healthy, robust, privacy legislation, uh, which is adapted in, in California for the first part, but uh, state by states follow. And, and that really exposes a real gap in the insurance market when it comes to uh, forensics and monitoring, et cetera. So really what we have is a, finally a, a robust standalone cyber insurance policy, which is really two parts. At the end of the day, we have the expense coverage or the first party coverages and then the standard liability or, or third-party coverages. Um, and so that's where we are today, really in this robust, broad package, which includes, again, the first party, which is lawyer, breach, coach, costs, uh, the ability for clients to navigate forensics as a result of, of a breach, PR, uh, stewardship costs, data restoration costs, and then the traditional third-party costs as a result of damages, uh, 
to some of the uh, some of your clients as a result of not having protected uh, the incident in general. Um, and then we come to today again. 2020 was a year of the pandemic. We have uh, all corporations shifting to a, a work from home, uh, whether whether prepared or not, uh, which uh, dramatically increases their exposure and vulnerabilities at a time when really do the, every dollar counts. So are they investing additional resources and, and, and funds into their IT security? Uh, most likely not. And, and so we have the direct uh, result of increased and soaring ransomware incidents frequency. Uh, the average ransomware payment in 2020 went up uh, close to 200 percent. Um, so we're dramatically adapting again. Once again, 20 years into this product development, we're dramatically adapting again into what this product needs to look like. How can it be? Where where do we posit it for future stability and longevity? Um, as we uh, as, again, we adapt to this new new normal that we're all returning to. Is it fair to say that you would be advocating for an affirmative coverage in a cyber policy versus whatever silent form of maybe any remnant of a coverage that might still be existing in a property or GL or DNO policy? Is, do you think that brokers in general, the marketplace customers, understand enough of that, that people are in a better place with that affirmative coverage through a dedicated cyber policy? versus maybe betting that there might still be something left in a property, GL or DNO or some other policy or, you know? Well, you just, you just touched on a, you know, one of the biggest hurdles we have in this line of business and it's the complexity of the product that we're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. We have a cyber, you know, our cyber and most of the market, uh, cyber policies, security and privacy policies are, you know, have in some cases 10 plus insuring agreements associated with them. Mm -hmm. So for, for a, a, a standard, uh, for, for, a, for a general practice broker and a general client of, of any uh, you know, small, medium enterprise client to understand what this policy is intending to, to, to cover, that there's that big knowledge gap there. A carrier like Zurich, which again, we're a multi-line player, Mm -hmm. What we're trying to do is, is really behind the scenes still to this day, try to navigate where does this coverage belong? Where are the gaps as a result of affirmative or silent uh, from, from, a, from a line of coverage and line of business perspective? You know, DNO is a great example. You know, where, does, where, where is it positive for a, a, a DNO policy to be affirmative in its cyber coverage? I think about event-driven litigation and it's a relation to a DNO policy. If there's a cyber, a specific cyber exclusion, what are the, what are the repercussions of that particular uh, decision? Um, and where is, it, uh, where is it positive or, or preferential for the client or the insured to maintain a silent position? Um, I think in most cases, clients would prefer uh, consistency and would prefer uh, transparency as far as where these coverages are going to be picked up. And that's what we're, those are the conversations we still continue to have when we were talking about cyber, cyber as a peril in general. Yeah. Um, Daniel, let, let me come to you here. Um, so clearly a complex and um, changing product here. So what are you looking for in a cyber submission? Um, and is what you're getting today most of the time meeting 
the standards that you expect as an underwriter, or is there still a bit of work that we need to do as, a, as an insurance company towards our, our, our brokers and, and customers? Yeah, thanks for the question. I mean, you know, from, from a submission expectation standpoint for us, you know, at Zurich, I, I don't think that's really changed today in, in today's market environment versus what we had hoped for and expected in, you know, last year or the year before. Mm -hmm. So we're looking for completed applications, absolutely committed a company, something like a business continuity plan or incident response plan, certainly. I think maybe the question is more how do brokers get their submissions to the top of the pile, right? Yep. And I think for us, it's a matter of when you speak to our underwriters on, on the ground, it's, you know, if you've done, if you've had to look through the application as a broker, and you understand that there are deficiencies coming into the submission stage, you know, have you addressed them or certainly anticipate that the underwriters where there's heightened scrutiny around underwriting will ask for you to address them. Mm -hmm. where, where I think in past years, um, I'll just say this, I guess, I'll just say that the underwriting, the minimum standard for underwriting has gone up, I think across the board from uh, from, from an industry standpoint. I think where we would have maybe said, you know, we can look at this post binding and a lot of that no longer exists. You know, we wanna make sure risk selection stays top of mind for us uh, at Zurich and that we're picking companies that are looking to partner uh, with us uh, for long, long term. Now is risk mitigation uh, included in the, uh, in the application? Is, is that a part of what the, the broker and the customer have to disclose? Is that how big a, deal is it yeah. for in, as part of the app? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, risk mitigation, and you talk about app questions on the application, you know, that application is growing by the day, mm -hmm. right? You know, where mm -hmm. it may have been 15 questions last year, it might be, it might have ballooned to 40, depending on how big you are, or what industry you're in. Mm -hmm. It might even be more than that, quite frankly. So uh, is risk mitigation important? Yes. Um, you know, all applications, ours certainly will ask the questions around what are you doing to identify your data, you know, protect it. You know, if we follow that NIST framework, you know, detect, respond, recover, what are the different elements within that um, as an organization are you, are you picking up upon yourself? Um, I think, you know, as I mentioned, the controls now in terms of our, our review of the controls are, are, are at its peak. So, you know, we just need to make sure that from a client selection standpoint and working with our brokers that they understand perhaps where we feel there's deficiency where we can work together and try and close those gaps. And, and the, standards are, the standards are going to be the same whether you're a mid-market company or a large company, right? In other words, you're not getting a pass because you're a medium-sized company in terms of the risk mitigation, the controls that you have, right? It is right. dependent on size, right? No, where, where I think perhaps size and maybe perhaps industry, where once, once um, you know, there were differentiators there, I, I think now that's, you know, it's certainly taken a bit of a backseat when we're looking at it from an underwriting perspective. But mm -hmm. let's, let's take a step back. I really think, you know, when we're speaking to our clients on a one-on-one -on -one engagement or perhaps even a larger uh, meeting profile, it's, you know, we're also just looking for what, what's your culture? What's your corporate culture around cybersecurity and, and, you know, protecting others' data, or protecting, you know, your employees' data. 
You know, is a part is a part of who you are as an organization? Is that important? Because I think we've passed the point where you can be solely reactive or hope you can take care of this next year, right? And I think it, I think it was the World Economic Forum that you know released the study recently that cyber risk is the top three concern, you know, yeah. within a year of a pandemic. So I think that just tells you where it's top of mind for most most of our clients, most companies. So if you, if that's not embedded in your culture in terms of wanting to handle this, and then we appreciate the various costs and and how do you split the dollar, um, but but if it's if it's not top of mind, I think you're behind, you know, most of your peers. This is where I mean, this is where it's key that this this sophistication of this product continues to evolve, right? And we're talking about prevention and detection. Mm-hmm. And so if you're talking about you know five years ago, you'd see a, you would see a cyber submission and you would really realize the client was trying to transfer instead of manage, which is, you know, the, a cyber insurance policy should be a, a replacement for a good IT security protocol. And that is where this sophistication of this product and partnering with these part, third-party services, vendor services, et cetera, is probably more valuable for a middle-sized client who doesn't have the infrastructure that a large national client has with IT governance and, and the ability to have global global capability and protection, um, that is where this product is most valuable, is working with a, a partner like ourselves that can help provide and expedite those mitigation services, provide a proper cyber response plan and a cyber response resources. Um, provide an appropriate breach coach in the event something happens, but that's where this basket of this product really needs to evolve to and has evolved to over the last uh, two or three years. So the really the, the whole value proposition is risk mitigation before there's a claim, the assessment, the risk transfer, and then when there's a claim, you guys can also come in and sort of assess to the forensic analysis of quantification of the claim. So this is really sort of uh, cradle to grave kind of thing, right? You, the, the whole sort of Zurich value proposition around cyber is going to take before the event and post event, right? The landscape is is driving the marketing message for it. So it's unfortunate that that's what it takes, but it's you know we we as an industry were similar to how we sold DNO mm-hmm. 15 years ago, lamenting about a WorldCom or Enron breach mm-hmm. or, or issue to a to mm-hmm. a client who was. A $50 million revenue-based company with 50 employees, it was easy to say, well, that's not me. That won't happen to me. But when you're seeing ransomware uh, uh, attacks being agnostic to specific size or, or detail or industry, mm-hmm. that's just a perfect reason to, for take-up rates to take off. And, and what people are learning is no business is immune, right? It's not a question right. of, of, of if, it's a question of when. And so being prepared and working to navigate those issues is, is at an all-time high. Are, are you seeing a change in the profile uh, or the industry of customers that are coming to Zurich um, to buy this coverage? More high-tech, less high-tech, more manufacturing, more service-based company? Or is this today sort of a, a, a mixed bag? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take this one, you know, from a customer profile standpoint, I would say that we're definitely seeing a change and the change is everybody's asking for it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, n- now it, regardless of industry or size, um, 
everyone's curious about a lot more curious about cyber. Um, they want to have conversations. We just had, you know, a client call um, for a client in, in real estate and they just wanted to hear about it. Tell us about it. What are you seeing in this market? What can you offer from a service perspective? What does your product do? You know, so we're seeing a lot more interest, but beyond the interest, we're seeing a lot more take up. You know, this is, this is certainly beyond um, con contractual obligations at this point, right? I think we, most of us recognize it's, it, it's a board level issue. You know, it's certainly a regulatory and compliance issue. And, and, and many times it's a reputational issue. So mm -hmm. uh, we're seeing, you know, clients of every size in every industry come. And so is it changing our profile in terms of our portfolio? Absolutely. Because we're just seeing, we're seeing more take up as a whole. Let's talk about capacity here because, you know, risk transfer, how much, how much limit are there available in, in the Canadian domestic market? So if you wanted to sort of your Fortune 100, 200 company in Canada and you wanted to sort of buy as much as you can in, in cyber coverage in, in Canada, how, what's, what's available out there? Regardless of price, we'll look at the price later. But if you add up all the players, and I think that market. that's a bit of a moving target today. Yeah, mm -hmm. Right, right. You know, I, I'd say that you know about a hundred million, seventy to a hundred million, depending mm -hmm. on the risk profile. Mm -hmm. You know, and then that's come down. You know, from last year, you know, we're we're saying it might have been one hundred and fifty, right, or one hundred and twenty-five. So um, really. And it's really going to depend on your industry sector because right. really, it, you know, if you're talking about uh, you know, severe heavy manufacturing, you know, can you find capacity below, you know, it's going to be a question, can you find capacity below 50 million in attachment? You know, that it's all about right. maintaining. Uh, that's the largest issue now. You have this shifting landscape, much like the sophistication of every line of business. We have this initial prowess of the, the insurers who are very historically aware of what their loss ratios are in most lines of business, start offering 25, 50 million limit lines of deployment. So you can build a $200 million tower with eight carriers. That's mm -hmm. a pretty simplistic model. But as you navigate down the risk class, as you have capacity and limit deployment pullbacks, building a $200 million tower with 25 markets is much more challenging depending yeah. on the sector. And so that's really where we are now. And again, this, the, we're at an advent of that market. This has only been, uh, we're, we're what, eight, eight weeks into really the, the cyber tightening. Right. And, and speaking of Zurich, how much capacity can you guys deploy? What's, what's the, the max? And obviously all this is going to be you know, based on industry profile, the risk sure. mitigation, but what's the most you guys can deploy on, on any given, um, on, on a good cyber risk? Yeah, I'd say our comfort level is between five and 10 okay. million, right? That, that's, that's judicious for us. And I think that allows us to serve the larger market and a larger basket of clients as well. I remember this is a while ago, um, this is pre-pandemic, but when really the cyber cyber market was picking up some steam a couple of years ago, some of the discussions that we were having inside Zurich was about, you know, how do we get our arms around the, the risk of accumulation with the Internet of Things, you know, some machines talking to machines. All of a sudden, we potentially have a domino effect between, you know, a whole host of customers that we have. I, do we have a better grasp for that accumulation sort of catastrophic risk as an insurance company today than we did a few years ago? 
you know, I, I'd say certainly, and they mentioned it earlier, you know, cyber as apparel, and that's how we view it here at Zurich. You know, so we do have a team that's dedicated to accumulation here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I know their job as well as they do, um, but certainly when we look, how, how do we manage industry classification, even geography, or is it service providers, is it lines of business, you know, those are all things that we consider, we continue to monitor, we continue to try and improve upon, you know, I think it's, um, it's a bit of a crystal ball question, really, mm-hmm. for most insurance companies, whether you're direct or even on the reinsurance side. Right. Dane, um, what do you, what's your advice to brokers and customers today, right? So we talked about the app. I understand that usually the application is going to lead to a conversation between the Zurich underwriter and the broker, right? There's, um, there's going to be good information in, in the app, but that's probably going to lead to further discussion. Any suggestion, recommendation you would, um, you would um, give our, our brokers um, today on how to best approach Zurich in particular, but, but the marketplace in general and the sort of, uh, very challenging market as it as um, respect to cyber. Yeah, so uh, so for us, we're looking for long-term partners first and foremost, and I think that's the key is really just a, a true transparent partnership. If you if your client who purchases cyber insurance now, be prepared for a, a challenging renewal in 2021. Um, rates and limits will be shifting. Uh, you may need more partners than you're traditionally used to, which mm-hmm. brings a whole host of complexity uh, uh, with that placement. We're working with our clients and try to get out ahead uh, as far as head possible on these issues. But being transparent of, of the key, the key issues uh, happening right now are what insurers are concerned about tend to be uh, fairly fairly modest and so getting out ahead and so if there is a hole in your particular offering letting uh, giving us enough time to work with you proactively to help you patch those particular issues if you're a client who doesn't use multi-factor authentication now Mm -hmm. is there a plan in the near future to 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 shift to that uh, to that process that would be helpful to know and so we're again being out at front is, is of utmost importance Danielle, do you want to add to this in terms of yeah, suggestion? I mean, yeah, I'd say that, you know, pick up the phone. Let's do it the old school way. Let, right, let's, right. let's have a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, let's be honest. What, where are your pain points? Where are you having trouble with? You know, why is this coming to the market today? Um, you know, that, that's what's going to get our attention, right? So let's do that. Um, you know, and we can work through difficult uh, situations or complex or however we want to characterize it you know we appreciate there are others in the market who can do the same too um, you know we're uh, you know, we're, we're seeing a good amount of, of submissions come in and uh, I think the team's done you know today an excellent job just in terms of handling the volume one one last question before um before I forget can we write global cyber program or international cyber program is that we have the the capability to know how to tell a broker or customer, I'm covering you in 10, 5, 20 countries. You have that seamlessness, consistent coverage of a cyber policy um, in different multiple jurisdiction. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, Zurich has kind of part of our backbone is the international capabilities from a program standpoint. 
you know, so if you're looking for admitted paper policies on the cyber side in different jurisdictions, we could be uh, the solution for you and your clients there. But I think, you know, beyond that, it's also not just the admitted paper, but we have boots on the ground in many of those jurisdictions. So you know, we constantly lean on our global uh, colleagues from a cyber perspective to understand the intricacies of their regions. You know, what are the claim trends they're seeing just so that we're providing a true global view and underwrite um, to the risk profile. But to answer your question, yes, in multiple and multifaceted ways we get. And that's so extremely important when the line like this and you're looking at the borderless nature of these this peril, right? You're talking about a multitude of regulations in every country and state by state in every province. So navigating and having experience in, in all these local jurisdictions is, is of utmost importance. So shifting gear on you gentlemen. So I was speaking with a, a colleague uh, about an hour ago and she was telling me that um, Ontario has been in lockdown for almost 250, 270 days in the last 12 months. So let me ask you this, what do you guys do when you're in lockdown and what are you going to do when you're not on lockdown? Hopefully soon. So how do you, how do you keep, uh, how do you keep your, your wits about yourself and your, your sanity? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I'm a professional kid wrangler. So uh, (laughs) that is what I do uh, for 90% of my time. And the 30 minutes I have to myself at the end of the evening, uh, uh, my wife and I tend to exercise or go for walks when we can. But a lot there's a lot of park time right now. And the second the lockdown is over, my wife and I are planning a trip to Nashville or something. All right, here we go, a little country. Mm-hmm. Little country. Daniel, what about you? Yes, yeah, you know, similar today. And I've got two little ones, and in fact, one on the way for uh, later this summer. So, mm-hmm. you know, my wife and I were pretty busy with the, the kids, and but it's been good. They keep our spirits up through the 260 plus days we've been in lockdown, but. Uh, you look at when the vaccination schedule is aligning with some of this nice weather and what are we going to do uh, once we're opened up, you know, hopefully some travel, we'll have a little one in tow, but, uh, you know, excited <laughs> to just see, see something different. Yeah, I bet you are. Um, listen, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate your, uh, your insights. That was very informative. And so thank you. Take care of yourselves and uh, be well. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So here's my takeaway um, from speaking with Dane and, and, and Daniel. Um, very interesting conversation. So two things, manage your risk and transfer your risks. So this whole aspect of risk mitigation pre-event is clearly something that is um, probably more so than in other products embedded into the cyber coverage. What I heard Dane and Daniel refer to is Basically, we're not going to give coverage unless we have a pretty good handle on the risk mitigation, the risk prevention factors that customers are willing to, uh, to spend on. Then you get the risk transfer from Zurich or another insurance company. Um, but the two are really sort of very tightly connected. And then, then you have the event, you have the claim, and you also need uh, services from your insurance company, forensic and, and other types of services. And basically, this is sort of a uh, a cradle to grave or a soup to nuts uh, uh, value proposition that Zurich is offering in a market that is rapidly changing, evolving with a product that is also being adapted to the market circumstances. It is different today than it was a year or a couple of years ago. The capacity 
is not as readily available as it was just six months ago. And I think I heard Daniel and Dane say that it's not going to get any uh, better in the short uh, term here. So the message is, as always, connect, communicate, um, spend time in the dialogue with your Zurich underwriters, um, spend the time because for this coverage, probably even more so than the others, that limited capacity, the limited, uh, the complexity of the coverage uh, it requires uh, uh, really a pretty uh, a strong connectivity between the broker, customers, and the underwriters. So our next podcast will be on property insurance, and that's in a couple of weeks. As always, you're welcome to suggest topics and ideas for this webcast at ca.podcast at zurich.com. You can always download the podcast on our Zurich Canada website. And I thank you for your attention and look forward to uh, speaking with you again soon. Thank you and be well. in this audio recording was compiled from sources believed to be reliable for general information purposes and is intended for Zurich clients and business partners. The information contained herein may be useful to you or your enterprise when developing your own policies and procedures. The policies and procedures applicable to your enterprise should take into account the specific circumstances of your business and business environment, which is beyond the capacity of this podcast. Any and all information provided is not intended to constitute advice of any nature and is specifically not legal advice, and accordingly, you should consult with your own legal counsel. We do not guarantee that accuracy of this information presented or any results and further assume no liability in connection with this recording and the information provided therein. Moreover, Zurich reminds you that the information provided cannot be assumed to contain every acceptable safety and compliance procedure or that additional procedures might not be appropriate under the circumstances. The subject matter of this recording is not tied to any specific insurance product, nor will adopting these policies and procedures ensure coverage under any insurance policy. We encourage listeners to seek additional information from credible sources. Thank you. This has been a production of TNKR Media. Good talk.